0: The Masters of the Air is a popular uh, series that's being streamed on Apple TV right now, and it follows the historic account of the 100th Bomber Group in World War II that took the fight to Hitler's doorstep. And there's a scene in the first episode where a uh, two pilots are coming back from a uh, a mission. And, it's, and it was a brutal mission, and they, they had a lot of losses. And so they've come back, they've landed, and they are now driving back to the barracks. One of those pilots had been in a mission before. The other one, this was his first time. And so they're driving back somewhat in silence, kind of in shock of what they've experienced. And the, the newer pilot turned to his friend, and he said, why didn't you tell me it was going to be like this? Now, when I saw that, it kind of jogged in my mind that I bet you there are a lot of new Christians that say the same thing to their, uh, to their, friend, their Christian friends, right? They, they were excited they gave their life to Christ, man, they heard the gospel, they responded, they're reading their Bible, God's speaking to them, they're in a group, they're starting to serve. I mean, everything's positive, right? Everything's up and to the right in their Christian walk, and yet, and then all of a sudden. Bam, you know, troubles come, uh, temptation comes, hardship comes, maybe persecution comes. And they probably turn to their veteran Christian friends and go, man, why didn't you tell me that this was going to happen? But it happens to all of us, doesn't it? In fact, there are probably many of you right now, you're in, you're in a firefight. You're in, the, in a struggle of your life. You're in a hard place spiritually. And well, where is God in all that? And why does God allow us to go through this? And how does he help us in our difficult seasons? Well, why won't you get your Bible? I want not you open up with me to John chapter 16? John chapter 16, Jesus is talking with his disciples. And of course, they have been excited about following Jesus for three and a half years. He's been pouring into them, investing in them, encouraging them. But now it's the Last Supper. And Jesus knows that they are going to fly into a battle zone. And that crisis is going to come. It's going to be the hardest time of their life. And what in the world would Jesus say to them in that moment to encourage them to get through what they're about to go through? So let's look at it together. Uh, John 16, beginning at verse 5. And if you're there, say, amen. Amen. This is the Word of God. But now I'm going away to Him who sent me. And not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come, and He will glorify Me, because He will take from Me what is Mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is Mine this is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. Now, in that moment, when the disciples are going into the firefight, into the battle, Jesus talks to them about the Holy Spirit. The greatest need as a follower of Jesus that you have, if you know Christ, the greatest need that you have is to know how to rely on the Holy Spirit more and more and more in your life. Now, that's a simple statement, and I hope by the end of this message, you're going to understand what I mean by that. But let me just start off by saying there's a lot of confusion wrapped around the Holy Spirit. All right, there's just a lot of confusion about it. There's some of you, you grew up in a church and you didn't really talk that much about the Holy Spirit. All right? You, you talked a lot about Jesus maybe, uh, but you didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. So you kind of are a little uncomfortable. Maybe right now the title's making you a little uncomfortable because you're like, you know, I know the Holy Spirit's in the family, but he's kind of like that cousin at the family reunion. I don't really know how to relate to him. All right. So you're you're just a little uncomfortable talking about the Holy Spirit. Others of you grew up in churches where you talk about the Holy Spirit all the time, right? And and it was all about emotion and about going from one event to another event of of experience and emotion and passion. And and you've quite frankly, you've talked more about the Holy Spirit than you talked about Jesus. Now, we don't want to go to either one of those extremes, but we do need to know... (laughs) Who is the Holy Spirit that Jesus has promised to give to us, and how do I rely on him for help? That's why the title of the message is Help Me, Holy Spirit, because he's here to help us. And so we're going we're to dive into this. You know, Jesus said in John 16, verse 7, he said, it's for your benefit that, that I go, And I'm sure they're thinking, how in the world is it our benefit that you're leaving? We're attached to you. How is it that it's good for us that you go? And he said, because when I leave, I'm going to send you the Spirit. So we need to know how to rely on the Spirit For help. So, I'm going to answer three basic questions about the Holy Spirit today, kind of laying a groundwork. Again, we're in this doctoral series seven core convictions, seven core doctrines. And so, today we're looking at the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to answer three questions. One is, who is the Holy Spirit? Number two, what does the Holy Spirit do? And then, thirdly, how can I rely more on the Holy Spirit? And hopefully, at the end of this message, I'm going to give you a visual. And a practical thing you can do starting this week to rely more and more and more on the Holy Spirit for help. All right? So let's look at it now. Uh, First question, who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, Look again at verse 7. Jesus said that he is going to send a counselor. You see that? If I don't go away, the counselor will not come. How many of you, hands up, the the version of your Bible, use the word counselor, raise your hand. All right? Hands down. How many of you, you, the word is advocate, raise your hand. All right? All right, how many, uh, the word is helper, raise your hand, okay. So yeah, you can kind of see that there are lots of different ways to translate this Greek word into English, all right. The word is paraclete, one who comes alongside, but it's translated in lots of different ways. The old King James Version uses the word comforter. Now, when you think of comforter, you probably think of something like this up here, all right. I'm not talking about that, all right. Not talking about something warm and cozy that you roll up in, comforter, but, but what is the word comforter? Well, the, comforter, the word comforter comes from actually two Latin words, cum, which means with, and forte, which means strength. Think of you, something as your forte, it is your strength, right? Or musical term, forte, strong or loud. And so the comforter is one who comes to you with strength. One that when you're in the battle, when it's hard, when you're in temptation, when you're weak, when you don't know what to do, he comes with strength to encourage and empower and to help you, all right? So Uh, Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, first off, you can just jot down the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, Eleven times Jesus uses the personal pronouns he or him here. He is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a force like the force be with you. The Holy Spirit is not some new age energy source that I just feel the energy in the room. The Holy Spirit is not some genie in a bottle that I have to conjure up and hopefully he'll show up. And that, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. More specifically, the Holy Spirit is God. He's a third person of the Trinity. God is one God uh, in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he is the third person of the Godhead. In fact, I think 2 Corinthians 3.17 puts it clearly, the Lord is the Spirit. The Lord is The Spirit. And so God comes to us and his presence with us is by the Holy Spirit. When the scripture tells us that Christ is in you, he's in you, his presence in you by his spirit that dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is also active through eternity past. The Holy Spirit has been active, but we see him active all throughout the scripture. The Holy Spirit was there in creation hovering over the deep in Genesis 1 verse 2. The Holy Spirit was there empowering biblical leaders like Daniel and Joshua and Moses uh, to, to do what God had called them to do. The Holy Spirit came on men like Samson and other great prophets and leaders to do the work of God. The Holy Spirit inspired prophets to write down Scripture And also inspired them to write down promises about the Messiah who is to come. And of course, we see the Holy Spirit most clearly seen in the life of Jesus. Jesus was um, conceived... By the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, that he was led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, directed by the Spirit, encouraged by the Spirit. In fact, all the work that Jesus did in performing miracles and the work that he did and the way that he taught, the way he dealt with conflict and all the ministry that he did as he poured out his heart was all done relying on the Holy Spirit for help. And so here he is now with his disciples in the upper room and he's saying, guys, the same spirit that has been in me, uh, working through me, is now the same spirit that's going to be in you. He said, it's to your benefit that I go, because look at verse 7, I will send him to you. And of course, he's speaking here uh, specifically about Pentecost, where at Pentecost, these disciples were in the upper room, and they were praying, and the Spirit of God filled them and empowered them to preach the gospel. Three thousand saved, the church begun, and the movement, the Christian movement was set afire to cover the globe. Even, of course, after Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit authoring scriptures. 2 Peter 1.21 says that the men of God who wrote the scriptures were inspired and carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the very spirit that wrote the word of God is the very spirit that lives inside you and is going to lead you to understand who Jesus is more deeply and more clearly. So who is the Holy Spirit? Fundamentally, the Holy Spirit is God. He's God's presence with you. Now, that kind of leads us to the second question, well, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? And so I'm going to give you a couple of things to just jot down. Again, these are foundational things. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit leads you. The Holy Spirit leads you. Look at verse 8. Jesus said, when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. One of the very first things that the Holy Spirit does is brings conviction in your heart that you're lost and you need a Savior. Just this last week, last Sunday, I was preaching on the cross, and a dad and his young son came up to me and he said, my son, just in this service, gave his life to Christ, And uh, so I knelt down right there where I could get eyeball with the young guy and just talk to him for a minute. And we prayed over him and how God's going to use him. And and as they left, it kind of reminded me that I was about that age when I gave my life to Christ. It was a service very similar to this one. The pastor was getting up; he was preaching about the cross, and and I just remember him saying that God loved you so much that He sent His own Son to die in your place. And I remember the thought came in my mind for the first time: if Jesus loves me that much, that I want to love Him back. It was a simple thought, right, Uh, for a young man, but I could understand. And I was convicted that I was a sinner and that I needed forgiveness. In fact, I was so convicted that after the service, I, I, I I could not be stopped until somebody would sit down with me and help me pray to receive Christ. And praise God, there was a a man that was there that just sat down with me and helped me understand the gospel and pray to receive Christ. So I'm so thankful for that. But I'm just saying that there was this work of conviction. Has that happened in your life? Can you remember when you first, you would just click. Maybe you'd heard the gospel many times before, but this time it was different. There was a sense of conviction. I need Christ. I'm a sinner. I need to be right with God. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Every time I get up here, every Sunday morning, right before that roll-in starts, I'm sitting right down here in the bullpen, and I am praying. Spirit of God, convict people's hearts, and I see it. I see God work in awesome ways. Listen, I know it's not me. I'm with the tech, okay? So I know it's I'm on the low shelf, right? I mean, I know, I know. I get it. But, but I can see, man, the spirit of God moving, and and, and people just. God's, God's gripping them, and, and, and it's an amazing thing to watch the Holy Spirit do what he does. So he leads you to faith in Jesus. He's the one that gives you the faith to cry out uh, to the Lord. How does the Spirit lead you to Jesus? Well, Ephesians 1.13, write that in the margin of our Bible, Ephesians 1.13 and 14. Listen, in him you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed, period, full stop. The Holy Spirit is a down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. He said, listen, the way this works is when you hear the gospel and then you believe in the Lord Jesus, you're convicted of your sin, you cry out in saving faith, Lord, save me, Lord, I believe in you. I need you to forgive me, Lord. In that moment, you are filled and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes into your life at that moment. He's convicting you, but now he comes to live within you and you are sealed. That is the seal of ownership now is on you. You belong to Christ. And Christ is in you by his spirit. He said it's like a down payment, right? I put a down payment, I'm gonna go off, I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay the rest off. I'm gonna claim this thing that I put a down payment on. We used to have a thing called layaway, you know, years ago. Yeah, some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. But some of you do, right? Hands up if you know what that is. All right, yeah, you put a little bit down, I can't pay the whole thing, but then I would come back and I would get it later, and that's the whole thing. Man, the Holy Spirit is God's down payment in your life that you belong to him. You possess the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. His ownership is on you. His stamp of ownership, his presence within you. That happens at the moment you heard the gospel and believed in him. So the Holy Spirit uh, leads you to Christ. He's he's active in conversion. He's active in, in regeneration, bringing you to life in Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He also leads you just in decisions that you make. You know, are you facing a decision? Are you trying to make uh, a decision about something at work or something in your family or some area of your life? The Holy Spirit wants to guide you and wants to lead you. Uh, Romans eight seventeen. That's a great verse to write down. Romans eight seventeen. For all who are led by the Spirit are of God, are children of God. So if you're led by the Spirit of God, you're a child of God. You can say it in the reverse. If you're a child of God, you're led by the Spirit of God. That's what God does to his kids, right? He's going to fill you with the Spirit to lead you and direct you. Always remember, the Spirit will never lead you to anything that is contrary to the Word of God or the character of God. Always remember that. So what, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, first off, he leads you. He leads you to Christ. He leads you in your walk with the Lord. The second thing the Holy Spirit does, write this down, is He changes you. He changes you. Look again at verse 12. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. Now, here, Jesus is talking to his disciples that not only is he going to convict you and draw you, but uh, draw men and women to Christ, but he's also going to, he's going to change you on the inside, right? He's going to mature you. He's going to grow you. He's going to guide you into all the truth. Let's not guide you into truth, guide you into all the truth. There's a definite article there. He guides you into the truth of what? The truth about Christ. It's not like, well, that's your truth, and this is my truth, and we all kind of got our own truth. No, no, no. He's guiding you into the truth about Jesus, the truth of the gospel. He's going to make it clear to you. You're going to understand it more and more and more as the Spirit of God opens up your heart, and he begins to grow you and mature you uh, in your faith. Jesus said the same thing in, in John 14, 26, where he said, he will remind you of everything that I told you. You know, he's going to bring it to memory. I can remember there would be times in my life when I was in college, I was very far from the Lord, wasn't, wasn't going to church, I was living for the Lord. Uh, I was very wayward. And, um, and the Holy Spirit would bring verses to mind that I had heard when I was a kid. and just pop right in my mind, and it's a scripture. And he was, was convicting me, and he was drawing me. He was bringing to remembrance the things that I had learned in the past. By the way, parents, it's really important that you... Uh, that you feed your children when they're young, the Word of God, right? You do everything you can, just get it in there, get it in there, because the Holy Spirit is more than able to bring to your remembrance what you put in your remembrance. okay? Figure that one out, all right? But you get what I'm saying? Putting it in, putting it in. And uh, he said he's going he's gonna to help you remember. And how, why is he doing this? Because the Holy Spirit's job is not only to lead to Christ, but he's also to grow you up in Christ, to mature you, to... Uh, To establish you, to make you more and more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29 says, uh, for those God foreknow he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That's God's plan for you. He wants to grow you up. He doesn't want you just to sit and soak and sour, right? You don't want that. He wants you to grow in your walk with the Lord. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. There's, a, there's going to be this newness and growth and maturation that should happen in your spiritual life. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit changing you on the inside. Now, how does the Spirit of God change you on the inside? Well, it's, it's quite simple, actually. Ephesians 4.20 uh, tells it. You can just mark that in the margin, Ephesians 4.20-24 but basically, he said it's like uh, it's like changing clothes, right? There's certain things that you have you, there are your old life that you got to take off, and there's certain things that they're, are new that he wants you to put on. There's certain habits, certain relationships, certain behaviors that need to go, and there are the other habits and behaviors and relationships that that need to grow okay some need to go and some need to grow and the holy spirit is constantly working on you in those things and by the way this is the ongoing christian life the theological term for this is sanctification that god is growing you step by step not only once But step by step, gradually, constantly showing you what needs to go and where you need to grow. And as you are obedient to him, as you're sensitive to him, you're going to be growing more and more like Jesus. That's just what's naturally going to happen. All right. So let me ask you something. Is that happening in your life? Let me just ask you about this week. Okay. Is there anything this week that the Holy Spirit said, ah, man, shouldn't have done that? Why'd you say that? Why'd you react that way? Anybody have that happen this week? Okay, I had that happen this week, okay? Uh, listen, any, any sense of, oh, I shouldn't have, that, that's the Holy Spirit saying, okay, let's take that off. Right, that's the old you, let's take that off. And then any desire for the things of God, man, I wanna pray more, I wanna read my Bible, I really wanna serve God, I wanna know him more. Any attitude that desires the things of God, that's the Holy Spirit too. Because you won't desire him in and of your flesh. So the Holy Spirit is nurturing this desire for God and desire to do the things that please God. And so here's the deal. As you are walking in the Spirit, you are just being sensitive. Oh, I don't want to do that. I'm going to take that off. And I, don't want, to, I want to do this. I want to put this on. And I'm being sensitive to how the Holy Spirit is leading and directing me. That's what it means to what Galatians talks about. Walk in the Spirit. That's exactly what that means. Is that you're being sensitive? So here's the deal. Are you doing that? Are, are you are you more patient than you used to be? Are you more kind than you used to be? Or is there is there greater uh, sensitivity to forgiveness or sensitivity to sin than than you used to have? If you can say, Yes, I can see I'm different now, then praise God, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And here's the deal. If you're like, nah, I just kind of kind of flatlined, I just kind of do my thing, I'm kind of doing my uh, no real big change. Now, let me get real serious here. If that's you, I'm not really changed at all. Let me ask you a question. In what way are you resisting the Holy Spirit? Because the only way you're not growing is you're resisting. When he says, take that off, you're like, I'm going to take that off. Or he says, I want you to do this. I'm not doing that. And when you say no, when you dig your heels in and you resist the work of the Holy Spirit, then you stop growing right where you are. And there are a lot of Christians, maybe some here this morning, you've stopped growing because you are resisting the Holy Spirit's work in your life. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He, he helps you. He leads you to Christ, and he changes you on the inside. I was talking with a friend this week who you know, kind of grew up in a really difficult family and, 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 and just really far from God. I prayed for him for years that he would come to faith in Jesus. And uh, 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 several months ago, he hit the wall. And uh, I've been sharing the gospel. He wasn't really that interested, and this time he was interested. This time the Spirit of God was moving in his heart, and he gave his life to Christ and uh, then he started getting around some other Christian friends, and they started encouraging him. He started dealing with some addictions and some patterns that were really dysfunctional that he's had a long time, and he's been taking those things off, and he's been building new things on, and just this week, he was sitting at our table, and, and we were asking him, you know, what, what's something that you've learned this year? And he said, man, I have just learned about the grace of God in my life. And when I heard him say that, I thought, I didn't think I'd ever hear him say that. How cool is that? That's the Holy Spirit at work in his life. So that's what he does. He leads you to Christ. He, he, grows, he changes you uh, on the inside. Here's another thing the Holy Spirit does. He empowers you uh, to point people to Jesus. He empowers you to point people to Jesus. Look at, look at verse 14. Jesus said, "He speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he lifts up Jesus. He exalts Jesus. He he points people to Jesus. I heard a pastor preaching from this very passage one time, several years ago. And he said, yeah, Jesus said it's better for me to go and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And then this is what he said. He said, really what Jesus is saying here is don't any longer look to me. Look to the Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't say that in the service. I wanted to. All right. Uh, that's not right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse two, "Fix your eyes on Jesus." Hebrews three verse one: "Fix your thoughts on Jesus." We're told over and over to lift up Jesus, to preach Jesus. I mean, you can't can't look through the book of Acts without them talking about Jesus. So the work of the Holy Spirit, it's not like, well, Jesus kind of did his thing and and now I only focus on the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit's job is to point you to Jesus. The most Spirit-filled person will speak about Jesus. They're going to talk about Jesus all the time. They're going to have a heart to point people to Jesus. They're burned for someone to know Jesus. They're sharing the gospel. That's what a spirit-filled person does. He's constantly lifting up Christ, lifting up Jesus. And Jesus said, this spirit is going to point people to me. He's going to glorify me. He's going to take what I have and give it to you. Now, how does he do that practically? Well, one is he just prompts you to share, your, share the gospel. And there are many of you that almost on a weekly basis will say, Craig, I've got this guy on my heart. You know, I've been sharing with him in my office, man, pray that he'll come to faith. That's the spirit of God working through that believer to, to, to share Christ. You ever had somebody on your heart? You ever had somebody? I remember one time when I was in college, I was in a service and uh, man, I just felt like I just felt my heart beating, because there was this lady that I worked with that was very, very rough. <laughs> she was just, whoa, she was rough, man, she was, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta tell her about Jesus, and I, and I felt like the Spirit of God was going, now, you gotta talk to her tonight. I'm like, oh, tonight, I mean, just so weird, I don't even know her number, and it, so, she, I mean, I'm just like so compelled. So I, I call around, I finally get her number, I called her up, and uh, I said, I know this is really weird because you know, we work together and it's, it's kind of weird for me too, but I just feel like I need to come talk to you about, uh, about your relationship with Jesus. Could I just, I mean, we'll take but a second. Like I can just stand on the doorstep. Like I'm like minimizing it, like, right? She goes, yeah, come on over. So, really? Okay, so where do you live? So she gives the address. Sure, sure enough, you're over there and she's in are with her boyfriend. He doesn't have a shirt on, you know, and they've got a beer and they're, hey, yeah, what, what do you want to talk about? And so we, we sit down at the table and the best that I can, I just shared the gospel. Now, I'd love to say they fell on their knees and became missionaries and led an unreached people group to Jesus. Yeah, I'd love to say that. I, I don't know that they ever came to their life to Christ. But I, what I do know is the Holy Spirit was saying, you got to do it. And he's doing that in you too. He's saying, I'm prompting you to lift up Jesus and also he gives you spiritual gifts. Some of you have the gifts of helps and ability and leadership and, and, and uh, all kinds of spiritual gifts. And the, the work of the spiritual gifts within the body, we're lifting up Jesus Christ as a body together. So the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, uh, leading you to Christ, uh, changing you on the inside, empowering you to lift up Jesus. But what does it mean to really rely on the Holy Spirit for help? You know, the title of this message, Holy Spirit, help, is really a prayer, right? How do we rely more on the Holy Spirit for help? So let me very quickly kind of wrap this up with, with trying to give you a picture and a way to rely on him this week more. Okay, Uh, Ephesians chapter five, verse 18 says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, this is an important verse, and it's, I I believe, often misunderstood. This verse Paul is writing, he said, uh, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. And when we hear the term, be filled with the Spirit, most of the time, what conjures up in our mind is a glass, okay? We think, okay, we're the glass, and we need to be filled with the Spirit, right? So I give my life to Christ, and I'm, I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit. But then I kind of go along. I sin a little bit. You know, things don't go. You know, I don't read my Bible or whatever. And so I kind of lose some of him, I guess, so I got I to gotta get topped off. So I got I to gotta go to church, and I have this encounter, and whoo, man, I'm so full, just so full, man, I'm so full. And then, you know, had conflict with my wife. I know I'm making a mess up here. And it's just not, you know, my kids going crazy on me, and uh, so, whoa, I got to have another experience, got to get filled, man, I gotta, woo, this preacher, this song, I'm so full again, and then I'm not, and then I'm full again, and then I'm not, you, you see what I'm saying? That's how we typically think of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, and let me just say, I don't think that's what Paul had in mind when he said, "Be filled with the Spirit." Now, trek with me here for just a minute. Notice in this verse, in this chapter, chapter sixteen. Jesus, look at verse. Look at verse. Uh, look at verse seven. No, look up back up at verse six. He said, "Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has what filled." your heart. See that? That word filled there, it comes from the root word pleru, which is the same root word, be filled with the Spirit, in Ephesians 5, okay? Roughly the same word. Be filled. Here Now, hear what Jesus is saying. It's like I can see that sorrow has just filled your heart. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that like spatially you're three quarters filled with sorrow. It means that sorrow has overwhelmed you. It's all over your face. I can see it. The sorrow is just controlling you. Same thing is uh, said in Acts um, Acts chapter 19, verse 28, when it says the crowd was filled with rage. So here's the idea that whatever fills you is what's controlling you. What's filling you is what's controlling you. You you can say that person's filled with jealousy, right? Or they're full of ambition. Or maybe even on a positive side, they're filled with hope or filled with joy, or something like that. But the idea is that what is filling you is really what's controlling. It's not like a spatially, I'm three-quarter full. No, it's this idea that it's controlling you. Now, take that back to Ephesians 5.18. He said, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. In other words, if, if wine is controlling you, then it's gonna lead you to reckless living. By contrast, be what? Be filled with the Spirit. Be under the control of the Spirit, let the Spirit control you. Now, so when you hear be filled with the Spirit, don't th- it, it's not as much like a glass, it's more like a glove. This glove can't do anything on its own, it's unable, unable to do anything. But when I fill this glove with my hand, Now this glove is empowered, under; it's surrendered to every move that I make. It's now empowered to grab things, to help, to encourage, to defend, to do whatever I need to do. So when you think be filled with the Spirit, it's more surrender to the Spirit's control in your life. Is there any area of your life that's not under the control of the Holy Spirit? Some of you, you're kind of living with the Spirit and it's like you got two fingers out. Okay, so it's like, well, he can have these two areas, but these, my finances and my relationships, he can't have that, all right? So I'm, gonna, I'm not living filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit, it doesn't mean I need to top off of more of the Holy Spirit. What it is is the Holy Spirit needs more of you. The Holy Spirit needs more of you. So let me ask you something. Is there any area of your life that is not under the control of of the Holy Spirit, where you're not surrendering to the Holy Spirit. And really, the way that happens is that you just simply pray, Lord, I just, today I really want to just be under your control. Spirit of God, is, show me any area that's not right with you, and I will confess it and surrender it, because I want any area of my life to not be surrendered to you completely and fully. I want us to do that right now. I want you just bow your heads right where you are. And want you to be still, and I want you just to just pray that sermon title. Help me, Holy Spirit. Search me, Spirit of God. See if there's any area in my life that's not surrendered. Any area that He points out, would you just surrender to His control? any attitude, any behavior, any thought, any relationship, Spirit of God, change me. Spirit of God, leave me. Spirit of God, empower me. I surrender to you. night that Jesus was with his disciples he took bread and he said this bread is my body that is broken for you and he said as often as you eat this bread you remember my love for you and what I've done for you let's remember together let's take it then he took the cup he said this cup is a cup of redemption the cup of forgiveness this cup is my blood poured out for you and as often as you drink this cup you're reminded that you're washed clean by the sacrifice of Jesus Let's take it together. Would you stand quietly with me, just right where you are? Just with your heads bowed. And maybe this morning you want to just have a posture of surrender, maybe just with your hands extended out or up or just whatever posture that is that represents a surrender to the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we just, we just love you. And we really want to be fully surrendered to your spirit. Lord, we don't want any area of our life to not be right with you. We want to be filled. Lord, fill us like a hand in glove. Lord, that we would surrender to you in every way, in every relationship, in every thought. And that this week, we could be empowered by you, led by you, changed by you to make a difference in this world, to point people to Jesus, our hope, And the blessed hope who is to come. So Lord, fill us and use us for your purpose. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.